from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast reverberation version. I'm Perry. I'm MJ. I'm Mark. Happy New Year. Or f- I take that back. Hope you're having a good year, everybody. Hope you're having a good year, everybody. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's just be honest. We're, we're recording this in January, the beginning of the 2018. And of course, we have this huge backlog. And so... Yay! Um, actually, let's not call it backlog. Let's call it show cushion. Because it's not like we're backlogged. We love the fact that we have so many shows in the can. And I so, love <clears throat> post-production yes, queue. Yes. And so the post-production queue is allowing us to do shows and create kind of a time-traveling circumstance where we're talking <laughs> from the past into the future, which is time our warp. present. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listening in 2020, how you doing? <laughs> exactly. How's it going? Exactly. That too. I didn't even think of that. I've heard podcasts in 2020 will just be embedded directly into your head. Oh, that would suck. Would you, yeah, especially which, for you, because you've got so many podcast episodes on your phone. That's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you been watching Black Mirror? I don't watch that show. I, I have, we've not watched the most recent season. Okay. There's a couple of them that are just creepy. Yeah. They're all kind of creepy. You haven't watched it? I Edit, prefer Rod uh, Sterling. None of them? No. Okay. Yeah, they're kind of creepy, and and you were talking about it embedded in your head. So mm-hmm. that was, we're gonna call that your uh, your cue for. Uh, I think it's episode two, uh, season two. Pretty creepy. Two two. There's one called Where's Waldo, which yeah. is about this big goofball of a filthy cartoon character that runs for basically. Oh, that was uh, season one. Which is yeah, season yeah, one. That is, was. So weird. Yeah, not my favorite episode. However, I just read an article today talking to the that was talking to the creator of the show, the showrunner, mm-hmm. and basically saying, "Where's Waldo's like Donald Trump?" I know. Just, just there's kinda, so many. Sim- oh. Yeah, there's so many similarities. Yeah, it's it's the show is. Um, so I did some research on the show because um, one of the people that follow one of the other things I do, Copiosis, had suggested that Black Mirror did a show about an aspect of our innovation, and I went and looked at. There actually have been two sh- two shows. One one was about the rating system. Yes, oh, yeah. that was the first show <laughs> yeah. I ever. That was the first episode I ever yeah. watched. Oh, okay, which was which blew me away. Yeah, and so the the show is based on um, the Twilight Zone. It's it's a kind of it's, it's, it's a similar in tone. That. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. yeah, and so it uh, if you've seen if you've seen the show, audience members, then you know it's it is kind of creepy. But it it's also supposed to, unlike the Twilight Zone, it's supposed to be satire. It definitely has that element. And, yeah. and I, I think the first one in the first season, if I recall, we'll just refer to it as the pig one. And most people can't get past that. We'll no, just, that's true. I yeah, could barely that's a, get... That's a hard one. I yeah. could barely get through that. Yes. So that would be understand. Wow. If that was your first one, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. so horrible. There's another one that came out that I did a little research on that was related to what we do. And I don't remember which one it was. But at least two episodes now have, have talked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, speaking of that rating system, did you know that China is coming out with a rating system of its uh, citizenry? No. The citizenry will be able to rate each, each other. Each other. Yeah. And the, the criteria will be published by the Communist Party. So no it's way. really is going to You're be joking. kind of a... No, I'm not. It really is going to be kind of a, a way to, to get citizens to toe the line. Mm. 
further. Like they need that. Yeah. Wow. That's integration. That's taking social media too far. Mm -hmm. I agree. Speaking of towing the line. (laughs) Speaking of too far. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Too far. We're too far behind schedule with our day here. I guess we better circle the wagons. Yes. Our latest guest is Scott Wilson. Um, I didn't get a chance to ask Scott before we started the show how young or old his organization is, but he is a tiny house builder. Uh, a, a Cana- he's not Canadian, but he is a Canadian dweller, lives in Canada. And his, his, uh, his show, his, <laughs> his company is called Zero Square Tiny Homes. And we are welcoming Scott Wilson to the show. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And don't be confused, audience members. Scott's accent is not Canadian. <laughs> or maybe it is and he got in a car wreck at some stage. Yes. So speaking of that, Scott, how did you get to Canada by way of Australia? Uh, my wife and I were um, living in Australia and we kind of decided that we needed a bit of a change of scenery. So pretty much every Australian goes to the United Kingdom um, to, to travel and work and we decided to do something a little bit different, which is I guess really the motto of our company as well. Um, and so we decided to come to Canada and see what was going on over here in North America. Um, came to Calgary and just fell in love with the mountains and skiing and hiking and such. And so we, we ended up staying here. So we've been here for now 15 years. Some would say between the choices in North America, you made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you look at it. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I think I'll be joining you, actually, <laughs> if things keep going how they're going. <laughs> My houses are on wheels too. <laughs> so, um, so Scott, what is the, the uh, what do they call it? What is the market distinction or the dif- differentiation between you, your company, Zero Square Tiny Homes, and every other tiny house builder out there? Well, we, uh, we established um, ourselves as the first tiny house company to have a, a ground mounted um, or a main floor mounted bedroom. So, we, we moved away from having a loft um, so that we could you know, have a market that would look more towards the elderly folks, retirees, um, and folks who are just not interested in kind of climbing up and down the lofts um, every, every day, every night. So we really took a lot of language from the RV industry and, and used the slide-out systems um, to get a larger footprint whilst being able to tow it legally without permits. So we, we're the same size of footprint is a normal 26 foot tiny house but we have two 18 foot long uh, slide out systems that are opposing that will slide out four feet so that gets us uh, a total width of about 15 and a half feet and total of 370 square feet so we're just looking at something that with folks that are with a bit more mobility um and and not looking to to really climb into those lofts that you see in a lot of the other tiny homes how did you accomplish that weight-wise? Um, we talk a lot here on the on the podcast about towing weight and about um, you know trying to trying to keep the weight of tiny houses as low as possible. So, what other changes did you have to make in order to make that possible? Well, we're we're a ground-up uh, design company, so we created our own chassis um, that is engineered to take the unit. So we we optimized the chassis for weight specifically. So our, our chassis is only 2,400 pounds. So we get a lot of uh, weight savings right there in terms of um, optimizing the structure and reducing the weight. So 
um, that's really where we're at um, in terms of the chassis side of things and the materials we use inside, um, specifically very lightweight materials. So we use no MDF in any of our trims. Um, we use all pine, so it's much better for the environment as well as just overall weight, interior cladding, all pine, um, and we optimise the amount of, um, of heavier materials, so the cladding, uh, like the, we use engineered wood cladding as well as cedar, so the cedar is much lighter overall than, than that engineered wood that you see a lot of the tiny houses. So just really about careful engineering in, in optimising materials uh, to ensure that we can, uh, we can it's towable. It, it, that said, I mean, we're a very heavy unit, so, you know, we're looking at a three-quarter, one-tonne uh, unit that would be able to tow this. So we, depending on how full the tanks are, we have recreational vehicle tanks on board. So it depends on how full they are and how much stuff you put in your tiny house. We, we, we're up at that kind of 16,000 pounds fully laden towing. So it, it's a heavy brick, um, but the intention here is that, you know, tiny homes aren't designed to be manoeuvred like a recreational vehicle. So we would define unit as you know, temporary you know, really relocation on occasion. So you know, once or twice a year would be would be fine. So <clears throat> you mentioned that you're a design company, and I want to ask a couple questions about that because you know we have heard in the community a lot of horror stories about build quality and follow up and attention to detail within the builder community. Did you guys first of all are you a builder first? Or a designer, like a structural engineer, first, and where did you where did you come from relative to moving into tiny house from construction or design or some other direction? Well, well, we're a bit of a we're a bit of a convenient mashup of of, of folks. So um, I'm a the design director and partner in the company, and also have another partner who owns a company called Westwind Display Design. So my by trade, I'm an industrial designer, so I come from consumer product design engineering background, um, and Prior to um, starting this company with my partner, um, I actually travelled for eighteen months in a in a redesigned uh, two thousand Jayco fifth wheel. So to get an, an understanding of living in a tiny home, you know, a lot of people talk about um, people that have designed tiny homes. The first question you get is, "Have you ever lived in a tiny home?" And so we can safely say, from that perspective, my wife and I spent eighteen months travelling around the United States and. In Canada um, to get a sense of space and space allocation. So, my I have an engineering design background as well as the partnership with Westwind Display, which is a thirty-year-old company that um, has that does display design, shop fit-out, so um, millwork, cabinetry. Um, and prior to our travels in the United States, um, I was partners with a high-performance housing company. So essentially, we specialised in net zero or highly inefficient energy efficient homes so looking at structural insulated panels so you know having my design background as well as being part of a building company as well as being partnered with a millwork and surface finish so that's when we look at the design of the aurora in, internally and externally you know it's it's very rich materials um very well designed it's it's so we get a lot of feedback on on our design um, in terms of spatial layout and things like that. So we have a lot of credentials that bring us to um, to, to, to creating this product and this company. I mean, we, we kind of joke sometimes with clients and folks, we're not that type of company that bought a car carrier and threw a, um, 
a body on top of it and created a <laughs> tiny home. So we we are CSA, CSA, which is Canadian rated and RVIA certified. So we go through rigorous um, engineering requirements for electrical, plumbing, um, propane, so that our systems are very safe um, in terms of travel and our appliances are RV or travel certified. Um, so we go to a, we've gone to a lot of effort to make sure that this unit is a product at the end of the day. Um, so there's you know safety concerns and structural requirements. So that's that's really where we get that pedigree from. So I just want to drill down on some of this to, uh, just to kind of because this is the first time we've had a builder on I think since we we heard about this these uh, quality issues. So uh, and also I mean it's no offense to you, Sky and your wife. Some would say that 18 months in a in a RV is not is not is not enough time to understand the nuances of tiny house design. And so, um, perhaps, but it's definitely more well, than your average well, building. I mean, well, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably push back on that yeah. because, um, like, we we're in a in a 28 foot uh, Jayco, so with one single small slide in it. So, you know, traveling around, understanding the the spatial requirements, and 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 being with my wife for 19 years going into that small confined space. I mean, we come from an 800 square foot loft apartment. So we've never really owned a large house. Per okay. Se. Like, you you know, you stand 2,500 square feet. So um, you get a, a, you quickly get a sense of what is important, what isn't important. And really at the end of the day, it's about the it's stuff management. It's it's this, this idea of reducing your footprint and ownership of things that you don't need. So, you know, haven't spent five years in a tiny home, but certainly um, a, a good eighteen months is 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 a significant amount of time to put into the ideology of how you design a tiny home. Thanks for dancing with me on this. I've got one more move to do, and and, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and so it's 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 uh, so we've heard that you know it's one thing to build a house, but building a house on a trailer that that potentially goes through an earthquake, a hurricane. A uh, windstorm on every day, every time it moves, every time it moves, yeah, it's snow, sleet, rain. Is no easy, <laughs> yeah. is no easy engineering task, and you know it. While the while the pedigree of your partners lends itself to like interior surface quality and materials quality, um, how how can you assure your your potential customers that your unit is going to uh, not leak? or rust or something like that. I mean, RV standards um, are for pretty much for safety and systems integrity. Yes. Right? Correct. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing when we first started this process, it was a bit of a chuckle to start pouring through the RVIA and CSA certification is that, you know, the whole, the whole unit fall off the trailer, but you know, we can't have a plumbing leak. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It reminds me of ISO, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So your, your point is, is well taken. So um, in terms of our materials, we use like the inter interior fit out and exterior fit out the way we do a lot of our uh, connections and joints, certainly from wear and tear. Um, we provide them with the ability to move. So, you know, we put joints where they need to be and where they, um, where we know that they're going to move around again using the materials that will will handle movement and vibration. And so we use a lot of natural wood product. Um, so again, the cedar and the pine. And so when when we've got that tongue and groove type of environment, we have a lot of 
we have a lot of forgiveness in terms of how it moves and articulates um, in, in terms of that vibration. And so when we put our cabinetry in, we, we re-engineer the connections of the cabinetry. So we use a standard IKEA cabinet because it's a very good environmental decision overall and it's they're very robust built uh, cabinets, but we don't use their connection systems. So we, we back them with plywood and, and connect through the plywood into our walls. So we put backing in places where our cabinetry um, is going to to move our refrigerators, everything. We have our own mounting systems that keep them in place. Um, in terms of the connection to the to the trailer, we have multiple point connections. So we have the, the outside, all the outside walls bolted to the trailer, and then the, we have an internal joist floor structure that then is bolted to the walls and bolted to the trailer. So. We have it, it, it's essentially a hurricane tie down system that we have with the unit. Um, and then in terms of just the robustness of the structure, we use a structural insulated panel, so it's a high density polyurethane foam. And so this has a really high compression um, compression rate, so it doesn't rack. So like normally when you build a tiny house, most tiny homes are you know, stick built or metal framed, and then they have um, like a fiberglass bat insulation and, and very little cladding on the outside. So what we have is we have an external um, plywood structure which helps us with our racking. So the key thing is with the safety of a body of a tiny house is that racking force. So is it going to blow over or move going forward? So having these panels that are solid, they don't have any, um, they don't settle and they, they create this structure. So we create this very, very rigid body around around that interior that um, it doesn't move like a normal stick-built home would move if you put on to a, to a car carrier. So it's very rigid, high rack force um, resistance. So that's how we how we design the unit. So we've talked, we've mentioned SIPS, <clears throat> excuse me, we've mentioned SIPS a couple of times in our previous shows. I just want to shout out for the listeners. A structural insulated panel looks a lot like an ice cream sandwich where you have plywood on both sides and then the middle is um, insulation. So it is actually after it's, when these are completed, it's a rigid foam insulation. Um, what they do is you design your home for where you want the electrical to go, where you want the plumbing to go. So one, there's a several advantages. Um, of course, what you talked about racking and so forth. But the other advantage is the fact that um, you have these channels that actually run through the SIPs that help you it's a lot easier, of course, to wire and plumb them. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to pull the listeners in a little bit. Sometimes we use acronyms. I want to make sure everybody's on, on board with what those, what those are. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just to, to continue on with that for a bit here is that in terms of our structural insulated panels that we use, we don't use a traditional SIP panel. We use a company that's based in Idaho Falls called Raycor. And so the way they make their, their, um, their panels that – they essentially make a molding process. So they've got these big aluminum tools that they inject this polyurethane in. And so we don't have OSB on the outside inside oh. of the SIPs. They're, they're a skinned aluminum foil. Um, huh. And in, inside the SIP, the panel will actually have the um, the studs that are embedded. Like oh, that is in, a different style. That yeah, is a much, much, much different, different style than I had, than I had yeah, described. Yeah, and, so, and so what's really great about Raycor, they've got a proprietary uh, process and a proprietary foam um, mixture essentially 
And so we get, we have our three and a half inch walls and then we have our five and a half inch roof. Um, and so their, their um, nominal R value is R26 for the walls sure. and, the, and the nominal for the roof is R42. So wow. we have a, a super Canada. insulated <laughs> unit. Um, and so they're, they're amazing technology that we use. And so we, that was really where we wanted to go. We wanted to use the SIP, but we didn't want to have to be forced into a traditional SIP where we're using those heavy OSB panels. So um, we have a complete vapor barrier uh, in those panels. So they don't, there's no water or moisture or air can get through those, those panels. So, I mean, anyone that wants to kind of build for themselves, I guess, is something that I would definitely recommend having a chat with with Raycor because they, they make an amazing product and it's far, far superior for the R value per inch that, that you would get any in any insulation. Hmm. So we talked a little bit about the weight, um, the weight of your tinies. And uh, we've also talked before on the show about the advantages or disadvantages of what we're going to call an airtight home. Can you talk a little bit about your engineering as it relates to the, I don't even know this is if this is the word, breathability um, what about the ventilation? What about the fan systems? It sounds like a very, very, very tight little home. Um, how do you make, do you consider that an advantage or do you make other accommodations? Well, when we, when we come from a, my background with the energy efficient homes is it's about, um, it's about the air movement. So it's the, you can have a two airtight home and then you can have a very leaky home. So what we find is it's this percentage of air exchange that you get in the unit. So again, we have um, we have many operable windows. We also have a, a, a ventilation system, and we offer um, folks a, a heat recovery. Well, got my words mixed up. Heat recovery ventilator that would allow uh, that air exchange if if folks are going to be in more of a cooling climate where they're not going outside as much. So um, it's a balance between very airtight. Um, and having the air exchange. So again, that experience of traveling when you're out in the environment, opening the door and the windows will, will change your air quite quickly. But the, the thing is you to focus on in terms of the high efficient walls that we have, it, it's about the recovery of the, of the heating and cooling systems. So as you're coming in and coming out of that home and opening windows and closing windows, you want that quick recovery in terms of, of that heating cooling. So that's what that higher R value gives us is, is, more, is more about that recovery. Speaking of the, the windows opening and closing, I noticed that your windows relative to other tiny houses I, I've seen are, are smaller. And I'm, uh, we also have talked on the show about the, how windows in a tiny house, especially if you have a lot of them, can defeat the R value of the walls themselves. Did you purposely design your windows to be small like this for that reason? Yeah, it's a it's about um, it's about the light. You you wanting to make sure that the the you get enough brightness and you get that feeling of being outside but inside. So it, again, going back to the high um, energy efficient homes, it's about a really good wall to window ratio. So um, we really balance the the size of the windows against the amount of ambient light. So we have. It's the position of the, the windows is very important as well. So we in our slide systems, when they come out, we have two, you know, generally two windows on either side that allows the light to come in as well as look out. So, um, yeah, it's about it's more about the balance. Again, that R value and, and the light that you get in here. So when we very rarely need the lights on in here 
um, if you're when you're outside. So that's that's essentially the strategy. What kind of windows are they? So we use a company called Plygem. So they're a, a they're a dual pane low E. So they, they have the argon gas in there, and as well as they're uh, a vinyl body, but we use a metal clad exterior. So that mm. allows our customers t- to provide them with some customization of the coloring of mm. the of the window. So, um, so they're, they're our window type. Okay, enough of this technical shit. Let's move on to something more interesting. Um, <laughs> how how did you get into how did you get into tiny houses? Um, so when we were working with our window construction company, I was really interested in how um, how the industry was evolving. We were looking at moving our company at that time into much smaller units um, and looking at getting into backyard suites and things like people's secondary suites where they can you know, start to reduce their footprint in terms of size and clutter and things. So very has a very environmental bias to to those decisions. Um, and then, you know, again, talking with my partner um, on on this is just something that we were really interested in in, in building and seeing where we could take the, our, you know, the combination of my design and, and the fabrication skills that we have. Um, and then, you know, we were tinkering with it one day and, thinking we would, we would like to kind of design one. And then we had some friends who are over from the UK, very practical folks that they are, said, well, I mean, if you, how are you going to design a tiny home and start to build this company if you've never done that before? You've never lived in a tiny home. And really, we hadn't even owned an RV at that point. So, you know, kind of a week later, I, I was a proud owner of an old F-350 and a <laughs> 2000 Jayco. And my wife <laughs> and I sat down for kind of a month, two months and, and, and fully redid the interior to provide us with that ability. So as we were driving and traveling, we spoke to a lot of full-time RV folks and, and just that lifestyle and we've become fully addicted to this, this ideology of being outside. I mean, until you've lived in an RV or in a, in a tiny home, you don't truly understand the connection you have to the outdoors. Like in a house, you have really do have a long way to go before you're from the, from the inside to the outside. So whereas in a tiny home in a recreational vehicle, you, you're outside like, in two seconds so <laughs> it was a, it was a really long evolution it was it was actually over a couple of years that we were playing with the idea and then we finally just decided that we really needed to do this um the idea of this opposing slide system was something that you know i really pulled from the rv industry and felt that there was something missing in the market from that model full-time living um people with larger and we designed the units also from almost for a commercial version as well, so that people can take this unit and, and turn it into a commercial commercial offering too, like a cafe or a street vendor or something like that. So, going back to building this company, that's really where where we came from. So it was a, it was playing with the ideas, looking at the market, see what was missing, come pulling it from the high performance um, housing industry, and, and now we have Aurora. Interesting. I have a question. So I have what's called my famous three-part Michelle question. Uh-oh. Get notes. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a pencil. Um, so let's talk a little bit about timeline. Um, you were on the road for 18 months. You know, when did that happen? How long have you officially been in business? Um, the next question is how many homes have you built? And then the third question is the is the zinger. So what do you think? Did I say, is that four? Yeah, it was yeah, four, but that's four. okay. That four He's forgotten all of them by now. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been doing this? And uh, the final question is, what do you think of the tiny house movement? To what extent have you um, 
you know, participated in the events or embraced the movement as a whole? What do you think of us crazy people? Okay. Well, I mean, I'll start with the, the, you know, the origin of the company. So we, we traveled through, uh, 2015, 2016. And so really the, the end of, um, 2016 was where we, we started to do the design engineering. And then we, we officially launched, um, we hadn't built one at the time. So we, we were kind of going into the more of the product based market where we, we, we launched with renderings and press releases and we got, um, a tremendous amount of response from the media. Um, so country living get called us the greatest tiny house ever. And it was really great for them to do that considering we hadn't built one. Um, so it's been, since we've built it, we've had many more, um, thankfully more publications that have got us up there in terms of being featured as one of the best tiny houses. I think new Atlas has us in the, the best 2017. So we yeah, essentially, that's, yeah, that's where I found you. Sorry. Uh, yeah. On that list, the congratulations, okay. by the way, that was great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see rewards of, of your design engineering skills and, 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 and effort to put into that. So, um, we launched in in two thousand at the end of two thousand um, and sixteen, so virtually, and so we we, we garnered a few pre sales, um, so five five pre sales, and then we went through the process. Started in March of two thousand and seventeen to build our demonstration unit, our prototype. So uh, that took us much longer than expected, um, mainly because the we we use a slide system um, that's from the RV industry, very robust slide system but we found that when you're designing in a slide system into a into a, an rv or a new tiny home there's no information from the from the suppliers of actually how to do that so we had to do a lot of uh research engineering testing and so we essentially were ready to do our first pre-sale um was in july so essentially from march to to july um august when we started our first customer unit and so we just completed two custom units and we have more orders on the way. So we're, we're essentially built three. So we're very new um, in the scheme of things. Um, but we've, you know, we, we've gotten through to, to um, you know, testing and we're our first customers down in Colorado having a great time in their unit. So that was delivered in September. Hmm. So very, very new. And what do you think of us tiny house people was the last question. Uh, well, I mean, we, we we're very we're a bit different in terms of the direction. I mean, we a lot of companies that have started are catering to the DIY market, um, and so I think that there's a really good um, it's a good movement. But I think it's a there's there's a lot of risk that I see coming from the DIY market. So, you know, it's great that you can buy a set of plans for one hundred ninety nine dollars, but that doesn't mean to say that you can go and buy a car carrier and throw a chassis on there and and take it driving. I'll give you a perfect example of something that was really driven home to me when about our product and how we approach, you know, certifications and the reason we do our RV certifications allows people to finance it like a recreational vehicle. And so it's an asset and it can be insured. So we're, we're staying in um, down in LA on the beach, the LAX. And so we were, you know, there's a million dollar, motorhomes in there and you know our little eight thousand dollar jk that we purchased but there's a gentleman that drove up with his wife and and i i guess there was one of that kind of recycled tiny homes where you've got every different type of recycled material you could possibly find and you turn that into a tiny home and so 
the recreational vehicle park wouldn't allow them in because mm. it wasn't anything that like it didn't fit anywhere like it wasn't a recreational vehicle and was you know someone's very passionate about it but they're putting this unit in the middle of an rv park with these million dollar buses so the the issue that you've got is that there's a lot of safety concerns i mean fair enough if you buy if you build a tiny home put it on land and that's you've got no impact on other folks but if you're actually putting this in residential areas or or parks or within recreational vehicle parks or mobile home parks there's a lot of liability that you face with and i don't think people think about liability when it comes to moving these around so i think there's a little bit of wild west out there still um but i think that there's a genuine push towards the reaction from environmental um climate change as well as economic pressures for folks so i think it's a really great movement and i think it's, it's teaching you know jurisdictions a lot about what people want i mean the reason you can't have a tiny home in a lot of places is because of property taxes it can't be under 700 square feet because you know the governments want their property taxes so i think it's a great movement and it's putting pressure on people on how what this new view of of what you need to live like the size of the place you need as well as the things that you need to own to to satisfy and be satisfied as a human being so um I think there's good and bad in in the in it, and I think there's people trying to unify it, and and that's a good thing. As with everything, yeah, it's interesting. There, the gray area that you describe uh, between what we call the pirates who are building on their own and doing their own thing versus <clears throat> the people like yourself who are wanting to build. I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just speaking from my perspective, Scott. To build something that the that the average person could purchase and own as opposed to someone who would want to build their own and bushwhack basically um, is, is, is included in the community. And so um, bushwhacker here. Yeah. So there are, <laughs> there are definitely people who are going to want to build their own and don't care to live in a tiny a trailer park with other models of living standards. And so they're quite happy to build their tiny house and roam around the country or just sit on a piece of land somewhere. And then there's people who will never build their own and have no interest and would prefer to go to someplace, someone like you and buy something that they know is going to be safe and won't blow up and kill a bunch of people in the process, including themselves. Um, and so, yeah, there's room for everyone in the community. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've, we've, we've gotten, we've gotten some really great feedback over this past year about our unit in, in looking at the, the market that people want. I mean, our first couple of customers are not your normal tiny house folks. Who I mean, are they? They're, they're like semi-retirees that want to downsize. And another late young lady is a archaeologist that maybe moves around the United States working, mm. you know, from time to time. So it's a, it's not your true typical tiny home because we we're, we're based, you know, a little bit towards the RV market as well. So that we, we've kind of opened up ourselves up to, to those full timers snowbirds as well as the true tiny home folks and so we we're actually the feedback that we've gotten is that you know we we're too polished we're too finished and so we're now moving towards the what we call the aurora flex and that's going to be a unit that has all the slide systems all integrated um the wall structure and everything in place and it's going to allow people to come along and do their own interior fit out and exterior fit out um to suit their needs so they basically are going to get that shell or canvas to, to start working around and, and put their interior trims and 
do all their funky recycled materials as much as they <laughs> want to do that. So, um, so that's kind of that's that's the next phase for us is 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 releasing that um, flex. So um, basically, because now we you know we're recording here that you know when when you guys are on the air, um, well this is this is live, then we'll have that flex just coming out into the market. So that'll be be good. Nice. What does your wife think about what you're doing? Actually, I mean, she loves it. She doesn't. I mean, we after our time in um, in the RV, it's like we we were now living in a in a home because we don't have the ability to live in in, in a tiny house in Calgary. Unfortunately, we're in, certainly in winter the RV parks are closed because we were living in our in our RV through summer here in Calgary. Um, we chose to do that, but it's, it's it's like everything is clutter. You know, everything's clutter now. It's like I've got a piece of paper somewhere. It's clutter. So it's this. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's, you feel liberated. She feels liberated. Um, and she's been around me, you know, obviously for 19 years as an industrial designer. So I've worked with a whole bunch of different crazy companies and different startups and things that are really pushing, pushing against the grain. And so, um, you know, she, she loves the unit and very supportive. So it's great. It's funny how living in such a small space just influences you, you know, even after you move out of it. Um, I'm still living in mine, but last night um, <clears throat> I took all my comforters and blankets, kind of a spring cleaning kind of thing, all my comforters and blankets and bedding and rugs and everything to the laundromat. And there was a ton of dryer sheets all over the floor and the laundromat. And I was going around, I was picking them up and someone looked at me, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, this is driving me nuts. <laughs> like, you couldn't walk two steps. So um, living in such a small space definitely changes your concept of um, um, this is not a garbage can. This is yeah. the floor. Mm-hmm. This stuff goes in the garbage can. Like everything has to be in its place. And I, mm-hmm. I almost literally can't rest anymore, even in strange places like that. Mm-hmm. So really changes and, and your find, perspective. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. And I, I mean, I find it very, it, it, it's, it's deep down in my soul too, is that, you know, we, this traveling, you know, you bond, you bond with nature, you bond with yourself and you, you really appreciate what you need to be happy. Um, and I think that is really powerful um, as you go forward into that process is just that, you know, the process of decluttering. I mean, there's so many people write about it, blog about it, like you guys podcast about it, is that, you know, this, this process of going tiny is that what you need to do to, to you know, let go of so many things and it's very very liberating and yeah. it just it becomes it becomes part of who you are going forward in terms of you know christmas time or, or buying things it's like the amount of things you buy is reduced even when you have more space you just you stay decluttered and so i think it's it's, it's like it's once you've done it it's just embedded in your soul mm-hmm. what is your uh what is your partner not your wife, your partner, your business partner, think about this uh, entry? Uh, well, he's much more business orientated. He, he, he's really driven around building a great business. And so it's a, we were a good complement between, um, you know, what I do and the passion that we bring from the design side of things. And, and, and so Shaker is his, his name. It's more about, he's very proud of the product we've created, but at the end of the day, he's not a tiny guy. Um, he's, he wants to create a great business um, to get these in the hands of as many people as, as we can. So um, it's it's a really good business balance because yeah. you know we, we we look at focus on what is important from a business side of things, and then from my side of things is about really bringing that, that the passion of the design and, and the and actual 
first-hand experience of, of understanding space and land. Well, um, Scott, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate the time you spent with us and get, allowing us to get to know the Aurora and your company. Um, it's a pleasure having you. Thank you Thanks very for much. having me. Appreciate it. Thanks and, so much. Yeah. And Tiny House, listen, Tiny House podcast listeners, check us out later in the, the next episode. We'll have some playful banter at the beginning, a nice unsynchronized clap, and another interesting <laughs> guest to talk to on the Tiny House podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. See you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs>